0: So, uh, as always, I am James Anderson, alongside is Gabby Riggy for the House Divided Podcast. Uh, How are you doing, Gabby?
1: I'm doing really good. I was just taking Instagram to add to our new network of social media, so be sure to check that one out. Uh, Posting up our soundboard, a couple books, but yeah, I'm ready to get back into the swing of things. I have my coffee. It is a nice (laughs) rainy day. I feel like we're in Seattle where the Yankees just were and the Red Sox will be. Uh, so I'm definitely in the mood to talk baseball.
0: Yeah, we haven't had an episode in a while uh, for everyone who's, uh, for everyone who has been following us uh, and listening uh, to every episode kind of religiously. Uh, we were doing an episode every week pretty much on the nose and then uh, something funny happened. Gabby moved on up here to Massachusetts and we have had a whole slew of technical issues Uh coinciding with that move so uh we haven't been able to record a podcast pretty much uh since uh towards the end of the spring and the beginning of the summer so it's been a little bit of it's been a little bit uh so we have a lot to catch up on uh we're not really going to go to like into every detail of everything that we missed in that amount of time uh because we'd be here for hours and hours and hours and we don't who has that kind of time uh, for, uh, we're
1: here for your tea <laughs> ride into Red Sox games when you don't want to watch the pregame show or listen to the radio.
0: Yeah. Who, who has that type of time to listen to that, uh, much of a podcast, let alone to record that long of a podcast. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to be recording three podcasts, uh, that are going to be kind of like little snippets, little catch us up, uh, on everything that we missed, uh, per sport. And we're going to be releasing it, uh, one per day over the next couple of days. So we're gonna start with baseball today, and then tomorrow will be basketball, and then the following day after that will be hockey, and we'll uh, be all caught up on kind of the off season for all for b- basketball and hockey. But today, right in the swing of things with baseball, uh, all star break was just last week. So I think that uh, we can jump back one week a little bit and go into our uh, kind of mid mid-season grades, even though it's a little bit beyond the halfway point of the season, the All-Star break is kind of like the unofficial halfway point where you just get that little break, that little breather, you sit back, realize how there's literally nothing else going on in the summer for as far as sports besides baseball. It makes you wish baseball was there, even if you were bored to tears by it, and you just want it on as background noise.
1: And you get to be one of those people who acts far superior if you don't like the Home Run Derby because you think it's for children.
0: Yeah, I don't like the Home Run Derby.
1: I love the Home Run Derby.
0: Oh, oh, I thought you were saying you don't like the Home
1: Run Derby. No, I absolutely do. I mean, watching Aaron Judge break walls in Miami, it's what I'm here for. Okay, well,
0: (laughs) (laughs) so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through position by position for each team, the Red Sox and the Yankees, and kind of give... Not like an A, B, C, because that, that grade, like, or a letter grade, or even a number, because I feel like that's just very cliche, or just, like, general, uh, like, happy with, unhappy with, or disapproval so far. We can do that. Uh, and we, uh, I have a bunch of stats, f- very specifically for the for the pitchers. Uh, for everyone else, is, is just kind of the basics, uh, basic hitting stats. Is, uh, I, I didn't get too much into the defensive metrics, but... Uh, why not start with the pitchers and start with the rotation? Gabby, you want to lead us off? Uh, what is your opinion so far of the Yankees' rotation so far this year?
1: Uh, in, in terms of the starters, I've been pleasantly surprised, disappointed to hear Michael Pineda going off for the Tommy John. We kind of saw the writing on the wall, but better to have it taken care of now. But he's shut down for the season, which really tightens up that rotation. Tanaka has been hit or miss so far this season, which was, again, something going in. The one bright spot, two bright spots, CeCe Sabathia is having shades of his Cleveland years, and I'm really, really excited to see some of that. He's been a really big contributor for this team. He's been lights out, and that's been a really pleasant surprise for him. Um, the other thing is Luis Severino has really hit his stride. He's been coming in really strong. I've been really impressed with him. He's still one of the younger members of this rotation, but he's certainly been a huge contributor pitching-wise. Uh, I think here, as I said, Tanaka's been hit or miss. Uh, Jordan Montgomery has done a decent job jumping into the rotation. Uh, that's one thing the Yankees have sort of had to...
0: <laughs> Sorry. It's just that it's, I, I, I have only realized that he's been starting for, like, the last five starts, and it's because his, I think his first start of the season was against the Red Sox and got shelled. And I've paid attention to his last couple of starts since then, which is coming back from the Ulster break, and seems he continues to get shelled. So is it, is it literally just eating up innings? So that he can give the bullpen rest, is that is that what you're basing him jumping in off of as a positive?
1: I, I think, not necessarily a positive, I think he's handled the transition and the struggles with Grace. I think it's good to see the Yankees turn to someone in their system and someone that they've had versus trying to make that big splash. I think they've helped themselves, as we'll go into trades and other transactions, but they've shored up the bullpen a little bit more, which is a big relief, I think. It's hard because they weren't expecting Pineda to be hurt, so there's only so much you can do with that. Um, but otherwise, I've been pretty pleasantly surprised by bringing back Dave Roberts. I think that's going to really, really help them out. Tommy Canley is going to be really good to see. Uh, but on the whole, the biggest thing is losing Pineda, and I think Chapman hasn't been completely there with his locations, with his... with He still has the 101, 102, but... Some of the pitches where it's a little bit less, he's taken too much off, and they come off eighty-five rather than 90, 95. So I think Chapman and Batanzas haven't been their best, but that's what happens when you completely overwork them because Jeremy doesn't
0: work the bullpen well. But I feel that the Chapman thing though is me- is mental, even going back to the World Series with the Cubs. I feel like John Madden ruined, <laughs> ru-
1: he ruined ru- Chapman for yeah, the rest of us. Yeah, he ruined
0: Araldis Chapman for the rest of the yeah. uh, for the rest of Major League Baseball. That that at least that's my opinion. I think that this is going back to. The heavy workload that he had, even in the Chicago run in the playoffs last year, following the, uh, tr- traded, last year's trade le- deadline, uh, and then you tack that on to a heavy workload this year, plus the, he's mentally shaken from the way that it ended for him personally in the World Series, even right. though the, the Cubs won and he was on the Cubs. The way it ended for him was he blew a save in the seventh game, and it ended up going to extra innings, and, and they someone else ended up being the hero.
1: Right, so I think there's been some challenges for him. I think having... Robertson and a couple other guys back there in the bullpen that he can be reliant on is going to help him out. But on the whole, I think the starters, they're going to have to make a big splash in the offseason. I think that's one thing we're going to have to talk about is do you fix it now before the trade deadline or do you wait and go into the offseason? I saw something the other day that was like, the Yankees are going after you, Darvish. I was like, oh my God, you can't do everything now. I don't think they're going to win a World Series this year. You know, if they make the playoffs this year, it's – Maybe as, it's going to be as the wild card, maybe in the AL East. But I think they're better off just waiting for the offseason and cashing everything in. They haven't really made a big splash in a few years, and I think they should really throw in that money now that A-Rod's gone, now that Cheater's gone, now that Teixeira's gone. The only big money contract from those years when they won the World Series in 09 is honestly CC Sabathia. And this year he's 9-3. and three. He's earned it. So I, I'm happy with the the rotation and the bullpen so far I just covered all the pitchers in one go just covered all the pitchers in one go yeah I, I, that's what I'm that's what the Yankees are rolling with it's sort of like one just kind of falls into the other so okay.
0: that's how I took care of it okay for me I'm gonna go for the for the rotation uh I'm gonna I know we said we weren't gonna go official letter grades but can I go with an I for incomplete sure a a, a little bit uh unorthodox uh because I feel that we haven't really seen a consistent and uh, steady one through five rotation turn from them for more than one go around, uh, pretty pretty much for for what it w- uh, it should have been coming out of spring training. And even then, you could say it would be debatable that Pomeranz might have been in the bullpen. It might have been Stephen Wright, the knuckleballer, was the fifth starter uh, coming out of spring training. Uh, but the, Stephen Wright ended up uh, hurting his knee, ending his season, and so then. You slide Pomeranz back into that uh, fifth starter role. So uh, Chris Sale, I don't really know what else, much else there is to say about him. Like, all these stats I pulled up were all from the All-Star break, like, before the All-Star break. So basically the unofficial first half, uh, if you will. So these are where all these stats are uh, from. Sale, 2.74 ERA and 178 strikeouts in and 127 and two-thirds innings. Since coming back from the All Star break and he's made three starts, he's up to two hundred strikeouts on the nose for the season already. Two hundred. We're not even through July. He's already at two hundred strikeouts. He's he is well on pace to go and hit three hundred strikeouts. For the first pitcher to do it, I think, in like a decade, because the pitchers don't throw that many innings and aren't just that are just not that dominant nowadays.
1: I think the biggest thing to getting to that benchmark is, as you said, innings, because at this point it looks like the Red Sox aren't getting enough run support. Either they go out and they score five or six in the first inning, and then, okay, Chris Sale's in, you're locked and loaded, chalk this up to a W. We saw that a couple nights ago, but it's that sort of thing where it's like, all right, well, the bats aren't turning over. It's a seventh inning. You're down 2-1 to or you're up one nothing. It's like, well, how long can you push Sale beyond this? Because he can't handle that entire workload, and if you can't give him run support – then what's the point of burning his arm off before yeah. September?
0: But uh, as, as much as you love the strikeouts, 178 strikeouts and 127 two-thirds before the All-Star break, before the All-Star break, this is where I love it. 22 walks. Right. So when your wa- your strikeout-to-walk ratio is 178 to 22, you can basically do no wrong. <laughs> you can basically do no wrong as a starter. So I'm, I'm moving on from him. Uh, let's move on to last year's Cy Young Award winner for the American League, uh, Rick Porcello, uh, who, not too good of a year, but it seemed like he was turning it around towards the end. So here's here's what I noticed. As I mentioned, all these are uh, stats based on the uh, prior to the All-Star break. Innings pitched, he's ranked fourth in the American League, so he's still getting his innings, even though he was in a, a very rough spot to start the year. Walks per nine. Uh, Ranked third in the American League So he's still not walking people As a pitch to contact sinker baller uh, Strikeout rank, he's eighth That was, that shocked me uh, So then that puts him fifth For strikeout to walk ratio But here's where it it sucks Hits allowed, he's ranked number one uh, Home runs allowed, he's ranked eighth And earned run allowed, he's tied for first In the American League for the first Half before the All-Star break So he's striking people out He's not walking people, but then he's giving up a crap ton of hits and home runs and therefore runs.
1: And a lot of those are early on in the game. Exactly. So as we were saying, it's almost the opposite of Chris Sale, where if it's you jump on the bandwagon early, you snap up there, and you get a couple runs in. Well, yeah. it's the opposite. Now you're coming up to bat if you're at home and you're saying, oh, my God, they put two, three runs up on us already. We haven't even touched yeah. the bag. Like, what are we going to do? Well, like- as I
0: mentioned, he's a sinker baller, so he pitches to contact. Last year, the strikeouts num- strikeout numbers jumped through the roof compared to the rest of his career. So there was no way that he was going to repeat that. It, it was that was, Last year was the an anomaly compared to the rest of his pitching career as a starter. Right. So, but you didn't expect it to go to a point where it was worse than it was before. But that's the thing. The strikeouts were there. The hits and the home runs were the issue. So as a single ball pitcher, when you're pitching to contact, you need to get the ball on the ground. So I, I looked at... I kind of drew I, the line... I was line. just about
1: to ask for ground balls versus extra base hits, things yeah, like that. I, I,
0: I drew the line basically... Uh, I went to uh, Brooks Baseball, which I love for pitching stats, for really nerdy pitching stats. Nerd. <laughs> Sorry, i Sorry, I, I, when it comes to baseball, this is where I do get very nerdy into the numbers. It is, it, it is my one fault, uh, specifically with baseball, is I get really into the numbers.
1: One of the two of us took baseball stats in college. I, ge- I bet you can guess which one it was. Yes.
0: Uh, thank you, <laughs> Professor Rothman. Uh, so the first 15 starts where he was really sucking. This is specifically with his sinker. There was a 409 batting average against against this sinker, and then a 709 slugging percentage, a 411 BABIP. You know what a BABIP is? <laughs> I know what BABIP is. Do you know what a BABIP is?
1: Batting average in innings pitched. Batting
0: average on balls in play.
1: Ah. I so, that.
0: so if it's in play, what percentage of them are being put out? Like, in other words, what percentage of the ball in play is resulting in an out? Right. Versus a hit. 411 batting average in that situation. So, and he was using his sinker ball 31% of the time compared to his other pitches. Okay. So, the batting average is 409 against, a 709 slugging, and a 411 batting in his first 15 starts with a sinker. That one just sounds fake. It's, no, no, it, it, it's a real stat. <laughs> I lo- I, for sinker ballers and pitch contact pitchers, that's a- honestly one of the most telling stats you can find. Is BABIP, is batting average on balls in play because they have they allow a lot of balls to get into play. Right, it's what is it's the type of hits that you're allowing. That's the issue. No, I get So, the the final four starts heading into the All Star break, with his sinker again, a two twelve batting average against down from four oh nine, cut that in half, a four eighty five slugging percentage against down from seven oh nine, almost cut in half. BABIP, two twenty seven. Down from 4.11. The usage, 31%. The exact same percentage. So he was using the exact same amount of time. The issue was, uh, but instead of letting it up a little into the middle of the zone, or not fully getting kind of over top of the ball and getting the movement that you need to keep that ball down uh, in the zone around the knees and the shins, uh, it, he, it was staying up. And when you get a sinker ball that stays up, it's like a meatball. It's basically just a slower fastball that moves straight and just drops a little bit. Just a little bit. And, right. And if that's your best pitch and, pitch and batters go into it thinking this is a single ball pitcher, I need to look for it, and it stays up, they're going to crush that thing every time. Right. So basically, he, just ha- he corrected his sinker location. It was a little mechanical error, and he figured it out, and he started keeping the ball low. And he's still losing now. Since the All-Star break, but it's because he keeps getting no run support. Right. Yesterday was the first time that they had scored a run for him in a game, in 18 innings by the time that they had scored for him.
1: Which was more of the problem we were expecting with the Red Sox going into the season, was the pitching was going to be there, the pitching was going to be good, but where was the run support, especially late, going to be?
0: Yeah, now, he did give up three solo home runs and that's why they lost the game 3 to 2
1: but you should be allowed to make that mistake
0: but if you're but as long as there's solos and there's no one on base and he was stellar the rest of the game so the only literally i think he gave 5 hits up in the game 3 of them were home runs which not a good ratio but at the same time
1: no but three solo he shots made,
0: he made very few mistakes but they were very capitalized on by that Power by uh by the Angels lineup.
1: Right, you could argue those were his three worst pitches of the night. They were his three worst pitches of the night. But then if the other, you know, 97 you throw are good.
0: Yeah. Similarly with uh Pomeranz sucked the first eight starts of the of the season. The last nine starts arguably as good as sale. Literally, this is one of the clearest lines of demarta- uh, demarcation kind of similar to the sinker ball location getting better for uh Porcello, but even more telling first eight starts Pomeranz, average of 4.75 innings pitched per start not even getting through five
1: right and that's not because he's like syndergaard with the pitch limit none of those things it's he would get shellacked keep and, going and he
0: and he would get into like three two counts pretty much in every batter right it's like can you put someone out quick right like please uh, a 497 era seven home runs allowed in the eight starts 45 strikeouts a three and three record and the team was four and four in those eight starts. So he had two no decisions, but they were basically still five hundred. Exactly the same. The last nine starts of the so literally just one more start of a good run. So basically literally just half and half. A five set five point seven seven innings pitch per start. Up a whole inning per start. <laughs> Right. Break, like, almost breaking in on six innings per start.
1: Which helps <laughs> out because your bullpen's been having issues, but we'll get to that.
0: Yeah. 2.60 ERA, down from 4.97. He was almost scraping five. If you round it up from 4.97, it, he was scraping five. Down to 2.6. Literally cut in half. Right. Four home runs allowed in the nine starts compared to seven in the first eight. So instead of giving up almost a home run game, he, he's giving up a home run like every other game. Much better. 53 strikeouts, up from 45. To be fair, there was one more start in there, so that could account for those strikeouts. 6-1, and one, and the team was 7-2 in those starts, compared to 500. Here's literally where it is. first eight starts, he was throwing his cutter 2.74% of the time. Right. His sinker, 1.07% of the time. His sinker should be thrown little. But the last nine starts, the cutter went from 2% up to 967 and the sinker five to 0.64. Now the reason he's been in the bullpen much of his career up until he got to San Diego last year is because he was a two pitch pitcher. right, fastball curveball. his curveball is nasty, but when you only got two, it makes it easy, especially when you get like into the second or third time to through, the order for the batter to guess which one you're throwing at which point.
1: Right. Because you only got two options. It's situational, too. So you're going to sit yeah. there and go, I know you're going to throw me a fastball. What earned
0: him a spot in the rotation in San Diego last year out of spring training, and then what earned him a spot in the All-Star game in the National League because he was doing so well is because he developed a nasty cutter. Because he can get so much spin on his curveball, he develops that into the cutter, and so it slides, almost like a slider, but it keeps the pace of a fastball. Right. So, and he was dotting it on the on the paint, like, consistently. And then all of a sudden, he gets traded to the Red Sox, and he stops throwing the cutter entirely. E- even last year, the, n- the amount of time he was throwing the cutter was, like, zero. I don't know why the Carl Willis, the pitching staff, decided to tell him to stop throwing the pitch. He developed that made him a consistently good starter. But all of a sudden, it's, a like, halfway through, the f- uh, like, two months into the season, they're like, hey, didn't you have a cutter that you learned how to throw? And, and it's, like, like I just imagine this situation where they're just on one of his off days just sitting in the dugout. It's like, hey, can't you throw a cutter? He's like, yeah. And they're like, start doing that. And then he starts throwing it, and all of a sudden he's good again.
1: I wonder if it was almost a lack of confidence in terms of adjusting with the new pitching staff and just, as you're saying, not even because he thought it was too much of a work in progress. He didn't want to rely on it too much, and he well, didn't want to have to experiment in progress with it. Well,
0: because it earned him a spot in the National League All-Star game.
1: I don't disagree, but I'm saying if he thinks he had a – but there people like to tinker. People always want to have their own mark on something. You can see – batting coaches and pitching coaches influences on different players, and maybe he wanted to leave that be. But when you add those two pitches in, that's going to make you way more dangerous. And you're right, he has been absolutely stellar coming out of the break.
0: And so, Porcello's starting to to turn a a stride. Pomerantz has been really good for a long stretch of time now. Sale is, hands down, best pitcher in the American League right now. He's Chris Sale. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Eddie Rodriguez. Prior to the injury where he re-injured the knee here at last spring training here's his numbers i didn't include the last game so because he hurt it in the bullpen session leading into the game and he gets shelled and it was pulled in like the third inning so like he re-injures a knee and then he goes out and he gets shelled like prior to the game shocker so right I, I that's
1: that's not a real cause and effect there to yeah, keep yeah. an eye so on so i didn't
0: feel the need to include those terrible stats because it wasn't indicative of what he was when healthy so, uh, I just took out the stats from that one game. So, ten, so ten, 10 games, 9 of them starts. I didn't even realize he was using the bullpen at any point. <laughs> but, in, the ni- uh, in that, those 10 games, 2.77 ERA, 59 strikeouts and 55 and a third innings, 21 walks. So, striking out, strikeout-to-walk ratio is like a 2-to-1. Opponent batting average is 290. Uh, no, on-base percentage is 290. A two oh nine batting average against. Four and one and the team was seven and three in his starts. He was uh, hands down the best pitcher besides Chris Sale and this staff. Hands down. And, and then, then he, he got hurt. <laughs> and then he got hurt. He re injured his knee, which he dislocated in last spring training, and then it took him forever to get back. It took him to like May end of May to get back from dislocating his knee. And He was wearing a brace, but I don't think the brace is why he didn't do so well last year. I think it was all a mental thing. You could tell he didn't feel comfortable planting on that knee. Like, really, like, because it's his plant leg, it's his right knee, and he's a lefty. So pushing off with that left leg and putting all that weight and force onto that right knee when you're planting and driving into a pitch. He didn't seem comfortable doing it, so he was kind of holding back, which meant his location was off, his velocity was down, everything was off. It was a mental thing. So, he's only had two, uh, tonight's his second start since coming back from the injury. Uh, they waited to bring him back till right after the All-Star break. He got shelled by Toronto in his first start back. I'm curious to see if he actually has the confidence when, uh, on the mound. Even if he doesn't get the result tonight, I just want to see that he has confidence and he's really driving into that leg. Because if so, then I'm not worried. I'm not worried because it was me- the mental issue last year. It wasn't a physical issue. He was clear to play. He's clear to play again. Right. Let's see if he's mentally strong enough to fight through coming back from the rehab this time.
1: So on the whole with the pitching staff for the Red Sox, you have more numbers for me? I just have David Price. Oh. I just have David Price. The drama queen himself. Yes. So (laughs) had the
0: elbow issues in spring training, held him out, didn't make his first start until May 29th. I, on the podcast, when talking about it, said I would be shocked if he didn't get Tommy John and that I would need to see him start from the beginning of the year till the all-star break to really feel comfortable and that he would get through this year without surgery. Now he didn't even come back until the end of May. (laughs) So he missed the first two months. So I'm amending that saying I need to see him pitch and pitch without any health issues with that arm until September 9th, basically just pushing it up to two months from all-star break up two months to feel comfortable that he's going to get through this season without ultimately needing surgery. That being said, I'm highly encouraged by what I've seen because he's pitching better than I've ever seen him pitch in a Red Sox uniform and the velocity is up. Somehow, he was joking that Dr. James Andrews was telling him that he actually had a unique elbow and looked like he was starting to heal itself on his own. Who the hell knows? Maybe he does. Because if you have a potential tear in your arm that would require Tommy John surgery in a lot of pitchers, and you're going out and you're pitching like this and you're pitching better consistently start to start, you're getting better. I don't know how that happens.
1: It's amazing what French Bulldog cuddles and anger at Dennis Eckersley can do for an arm.
0: <laughs> so, incomplete for the rotation. Because those are, all, those are all my stats. But we haven't seen those five guys go two times through a rota- uh, pitching rotation at all this season. And at most, it happened once. And, the, and it was uh, the time Eddie Rodriguez got hurt. So that start, you can't even really count. Be- <laughs> like, as a, as a legitimate time to turn over the rotation.
1: So does that leave you more confident going in?
0: Very confident in the pitching.
1: Okay, going in towards the end of the season, especially into the playoffs, that they're a team that has it together and they're going to be able to, I don't want to say just put something together, but know what they're going to do and have that rotation established when you need it there.
0: Yeah. And hold on a second. Hold on a second. Where's my bullpen numbers?
1: You've lost too many of the stats. (laughs) Cue the Jeopardy music.
0: <laughs> oh, here they are. Sorry, sorry, everyone. Live, live, uh, recording. Uh, <laughs> so uh, th- that's the rotation bullpen. Really simple. Kimbrel is nasty. Thirty-six game pitch, thirty-seven two thirds innings pitch, twenty-three saves, only two blown. So 0.92 save percentage. Sixty-eight strikeouts, fourteen hits allowed. Five walks, which is huge because he was walking people like crazy last year. A uh, uh, walk plus hit per uh, inning pitch, of .5. Okay. So he's barely allowing runners on base, regardless however they're getting on base. Everyone else, which consists of the most used uh, pitchers in their bullpen, Hembree, Barnes, uh, Kelly, Scott, Abad, and Boyer, the most used pitchers. They combined for 188.5 innings pitched. They have a 3.13 ERA, ranked third in Major League Baseball, but they have allowed 146 earned runs, ranked 20th in Major League Baseball. Okay. In other words, they're allowing a lot of inherited runners to score. Right. But when they get a clean inning, they don't allow a lot of runners to score, so the average is low
1: so they would be ones who would not benefit from runners on and extra innings considering how many extra innings Red Sox have I gone mean, to I'm, this is thing's
0: been a walking minefield that they have somehow avoided from impl- like ex- imploding with the entire season but that number alone just shows you the disparity between what they actually between what they're doing so far and what they have the potential to like devolve into right is drastic and they desperately need help there, especially since Joe Kelly, who's probably been their second-best reliever all season besides Craig Kimbrell, is now on the 10-day deal with a hamstring injury.
1: Right, and I think there's really nothing to go between nothing. They, they, they the starters and Kimbrell. This is the
0: number one thing they need to improve with uh, through trade. Because you can patch up third base. They've been doing it since they got rid of Sandoval. Like, Marrero is pretty good defensively, and I like the versatility because he plays a lot of positions. Sui Lin, if they decide to bring him up when rosters expand. He plays a lot of positions and he can hit from the left side. One uh, you can platoon them pretty much at three different spots in the infield if you want. Rafael Devers coming up now. He can't hit a l- he can hit everything apparently in sight, but he can't play defense at all,
1: which was like half the issue/the slash the point.
0: Yeah, and then you have Brock Holt who, pl- who can play every position in the outfield and pretty much every position in the infield. You have a lot of versatility off the bench there. And you have two guys who uh you've got a sw- I'm pretty sure Devers is a switch hitter, but I I would need to double check that he just got called up, and I didn't expect him to get call called up this early, so I didn't look. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's a switch hitter. Holt's a lefty. Zubinan's a lefty. But he's ridiculously fast, so he can lay down a bunt. Moreiro's a righty. So, like, you you can flip flop that a lot.
1: Right. And I think the biggest thing was, as people were saying, oh, they need Frazier, they need Frazier. No, they needed they needed David Robertson in that trade that yeah, the Yankees they needed, made more than, needed than anything bullpen. else.
0: Uh, so, what? Now that we've gone through the pitchers. Yes. Arguably the most important entire part of the baseball staff. So that's why it took forever. We're going to go really quickly through the rest of the infield. Catcher. Let's go catcher. What, what do you think of the catcher position so far for the Yankees with Gary Sanchez?
1: I like what Sanchez has been able to do with the bat. I think he impressed a lot of people at the home run derby. Um, my biggest thing, though, is last year, his defensive ability isn't the best. His pitch framing isn't the best. And I think that's something that could help the staff that they have this year become better cemented. Uh, But the biggest thing for me is that the ability to catch people stealing or catch people out on the bases isn't as prevalent as it was before. So it's, you know, you might be better off putting him at first base. If Greg Bird gets hurt, I think that's an option they could exercise. I like what Sanchez has done with the bat, but he needs to do a lot more defensively and become more solid as a defensive facet of the game and call the game well, rather than hit the bat and continue to hit long balls, because you have plenty of other people on this team who can do that now. So,
0: What do you think about him defensively? Because I don't watch him consistently enough to pay attention to him defensively. Catcher I, is one of the few positions I pay attention to for defensive stuff.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is he's not the one I trust to call a game in its entirety. I think he gets a lot of help off the bench, and I would prefer my catcher to operate independently.
0: I would love to have it. You a- can learn that though. How is he on like the framing of pitches? He's not
1: stuff? great. Yeah. I think half of his problem may be because he's so big, uh, being I think he's like six five. He's he's a little oversized to really fit it in and convince people, especially when he sets up a little bit higher and his body's back a little bit farther, it's harder for him to pull it in and keep that ball centered or keep it right along the black. So I think that's something that's a little bit more difficult for him. I think that's the thing I want to see the most improvement on because with a guy like Sabathia, he could probably have more strikeouts if Sanchez could frame pitches better. I think he's done an okay job of keeping balls in front of him in the dirt. Again, as someone who's tall enough, he's almost like a pecorine and as a goaltender can just kind of stick his leg out and keep the ball from going from behind him. But the biggest thing, he needs to learn how to call the game more independently and he needs to frame those pitches better. That's my biggest thing is the framing of the pitches isn't there anymore. Okay
0: uh for me the Sox have been going with a clearly defensively minded tandem between Sandy Leon and Christian Vasquez. Uh and defensively they're nasty. Uh 650 stolen base uh percentage for throw, for throwing runners out. <laughs> uh which is fifth in MLB. Uh they have caught 21 uh, attempted stealers. Uh which ranks 7th in MLB according to mlb.com. But here's where I love baseball pers- prospectus for catchers. As a stat nerd, you have a favorite site for every position. By the way, uh, it's Brooks Baseball for pitchers, and then it's Baseball Perspective for catchers for defensive purposes. Uh, Eight point seven uh, framed runs saved, ranked fourth in MLB. You know what that means? Sorry, I'm not trying to be condescending. It's just like uh, it's a genuine question.
1: Framed run save.
0: Fra- f- uh, frame rund- framed runs saved. <laughs> if I can speak,
1: it's a tongue twister. Does that mean he frames the pitches well enough so that way runners don't get on base or runs can't come in? So if the bases are loaded, it's an he accumulating frames stat it.
0: that goes it just accumulates all season long. So they have saved combined between the two of them in the first half, eight point seven runs from scoring through framing pitches and stealing strikes.
1: I wish that's what that's what Sanchez needs to do the most. They have saved one point
0: two thrown runs
1: saved. Okay. So they have prevented
0: one point two. Uh, runs so far on the year from stealing via throwing out stolen base runners which is I feel like the percentage and everything is a little skewed because if you look at the number of times that they're being thrown on compared to other teams they're being thrown on less compared to other te- uh, other teams because people caught on early that you're not going to be able to run on these two guys so teams stop trying Right. which is in and of itself a compliment <laughs> so then the fact that they're framed runs saved in addition to that are also ranked in the top four in MLB but according to Baseball perspectives, it means they're doing, they're contributing defensively in multiple different ways. They don't just really just sit back there, call an okay game, or very choppy framing it. But they have a gun in, for an arm, so that if, for when people get on base, you don't they can't steal.
1: Right, that was Sanchez last no, year. They're
0: complete, they're complete all around. Offensively, they suck. Uh, but here's the difference, Vasquez, they. Okay, Vasquez versus Leon, 175 plate appearances, 273. So basically, same sample size. Vasquez, 267 batting average, 303 on-base percentage, 17 RBI. Leon, 244 batting average, 291 on-base percentage, 22 RBI. Leon has more RBI because he has more home runs. What am I going to do with a catcher who's, when both of them are sit, or, or hitting ter- hit terribly? So they're going to be the number nine spot in the order. What am I going to do with a catcher who's going to maybe hit 16 home runs on the year, but he doesn't get on base consistently, he doesn't hit uh, for contact when he's at the bottom of the order, and the whole point is to get on base to turn it over to the top of the order. I'll take Vasquez in that scenario, because he's hitting for a batting average that's 20 points higher, he's getting on base about 10% more of the time, and even though he has less RBI, I don't need him to hit runs in. I need him to be scoring the runs to be batted in by someone else. So I'll take Vasquez in that scenario.
1: Let's move on to first base. Oh, the, the hole in the infield for the Yankees. Uh. um, probably the, probably the biggest concern that I would have for this team. I think they've been bit by the injury bug because Gary Bird's been hurt again. Greg Bird, excuse me. Um, they had Chris Carter there for a while. They DFA'd Chris Carter. It's not been the best situation for them. They had, was it Austin Romine come across and be, they called him up and put him... Um, from catcher over to first base, I just think that that's probably the biggest liability for them. But again, their thing is when they win, they win big, when they lose, they lose big. So having a first baseman that's not exactly the biggest point of optimism. They have a good enough outfield. They have good enough short if Castro stays healthy enough and good enough middle and field, so first base is going to be what it is.
0: Okay. Uh, first base, I only did Mitch Moreland, even though all of a sudden now in the second half, ha- Hanley Ramirez decided he's fine playing first base against left-handed pitching, which he couldn't do because of a variety of different reasons, one of which in the first half. He hurt his neck and had to sit out a game because he turned around to say hi to someone who at, who said hello to him behind <laughs> him in the dugout. Like someone was walking past him as he was sitting up by the fence and said, hey, how are you doing, Hanley? He turned and strained his neck and he had to miss a game because he was slated to start in first base and he didn't want to do it. That's a talent. I know. It, <laughs> <laughs> so I focused on Mitch Moreland on this because he's played 82. He played all 82 games. Uh, all but one game because he was getting x rays on his fractured toe, which he then played with the rest, of it, the rest of the first half. So he played all but one game in the first half, which is absurd in and of itself, especially when you add in the fact that he's been playing on a fractured big toe. Um, so drastically different between home and away. Home. 280 batting average, away, 238. Home, 477 slugging, away, 419 slugging. Home, 847 OPS, away, 748 OPS. 21 RBI at home, 20 RBI on the road, so close. Six home runs, both. So, literally, what it is, when people say uh, said in the offseason when Dombrowski signed him, it was one, to get a power lefty in the middle of that lineup, and two, his stats are going to jump through the roof compared to what they've been the rest of his career because he has a, uh, a Fenway swing. He does have a Fenway swing. The reason that he has uh, basically around the same r- amount of RBI at home versus on the road is because he's hitting more doubles than he has home runs because he's, hit, he's, pl- he's playing the, the ballpark and he's hitting it away off that monster. And those double numbers have gone down because pitchers have started to adapt to that and started pitching him inside, forcing him to try and choke up on the bat. And it's hard to get an insight on that, so you're starting to see his numbers slip, and the double numbers are also going down because when he does get it off the wall, he can't really run because he has a broken toe. So, <laughs> right. So there, it, it it's a, con- a whole conglomerate of things as to why his stats are going down. He's gone ice cold. But the fact that Hanley's finally deciding against lefties, which Moreland doesn't really hit that well, that he should be in the field, which means that D- they can DH Chris Young, who smashes left-handed pitching as well. Like their lineup's gonna get better. I'm convinced they're gonna start hitting better against lefties once they do that, Uh, and it it seems like their that plan has been working so far, in the second half at least for a little bit. Let's move on to second base.
1: Okay, Uh, I have liked what Starling Castro has done so far. Again, back on the 10-day DL. I think this time with a hamstring. So that's been his thing. He's gone back and forth off the 10-day DL. So not hurt enough to call it a year, but not enough to consistently be. A big time contributor this season. He's hitting 307. Uh, what is it? If I can find his line correctly, 45 RBI. So he's a really key and big middle lineup guy. I really like the presence he has at second base defensively. He's been really strong pairing with Didi Gregorius at short. I like what he is, but I I'm nervous that he's going to continue to get hurt down the stretch. So again, like a B minus C. If we're going letter grades, is kind of the same thing. I like him more than I like first base, but not as much as the outfield. Yeah.
0: Second base, I want to keep this quick because I want to save a lot of time to rip into the third base situation. Um, Pedroia, 71 games out of the 83. Right. That, that's pretty much all I got. Um, it, it, it's injuries, but he's always had fickle injuries. Uh, but one of them was because of a takeout slide where Manny Machado took him out second base, which then led to a public dispute where he was calling out the manager in front of a bunch of cameras. But, um, uh, which, not a good look. But they they recovered from that, and if anything, the team seemed to have bonded like us against the world thing since then, uh, which which,
1: as the world turns in the Red Sox locker room or clubhouse.
0: Yeah, it, it's, so it, it, it's interesting in and of itself. But he hit 300. Uh, his OPS is down because he's never really been the biggest power guy. But I don't expect my second baseman to be. But he's been very solid at the top of the order, uh, and been hitting consistently. And he, since the second half started, he's been on fire, to the point where the, one of his scheduled days off, because he's old, and he gets injured a lot, and they're trying to make sure he doesn't break down now, as they go through a season, they're starting to, instead of just giving him the whole day off, say, Hanley, get into first base so we can put Joy at the DH spot, and he hits a three-run home run. Because he, he, because his bat's so hot right now that they need him in the lineup, even one of his days off, where he's resting so he doesn't p- p- dive all over the field for the ball and injure him or something, like his back when he lands on the grass. Like So uh, it, it the fact that he's hitting con- this consistently is really, really encouraging because a couple of years ago his numbers dropped significantly and it's because he kept hurting his wrist. Everyone thought, okay, well this is the end of the Dustin Pedroia offensive ability he's only going to be a defensive specialist and he's going to be a bombing over the guy for the rest of his career. He has never dropped down in the lineup. He's continued to get stronger since that wrist injury rehabbing year after year after year. And he hurt his wrist again this year. He's still driving the ball. And the power numbers are actually going up a little bit from what they were last year. So that's very encouraging. So I have zero issues with Dustin Pedroia.
1: Okay, on to third base. Um, This is something that the Yankees have been tweaking. I'm going to go in first because I know you're just going to go off about the traffic cone they've been rotating out there. But um, for the most part, they've had Chase Headley. I like Chase Headley out there. He's a 266 bat. Um, Again, solid contributor. He's snagged a couple really good balls along the line. He's a good, solid guy, I think. I would rate him below Castro in terms of defensive ability, but I like what he's able to contribute there. Chase Headley is a consistent guy. You can count on him in the middle, bottom of the lineup at, uh, at about your six seven hitter. You can trust him there. You can trust him at third. He's just a guy that's going to lock it down and be that one consistent factor you want. The Yankees, however, did add Todd Frazier. Todd Frazier has hit 125 in his, I think, six games with the Yankees, so he's not exactly been the stellar guy. I'm not... Completely thrilled about adding Todd Frazier just because they don't need more home runs. They, they don't need, need more home runs
0: they don't need more strikeouts.
1: They need better defense and they need more small ball support. Yeah. So to me, he added some of the things that they already had plenty of, but I'm happy with Chase Headley. I think if he's a guy you want to supplement a DH, if Holiday wants a day off, guys Wait, get hurt. Sorry,
0: repeat that sentence. What? You're happy with Chase Headley? I am. I've I was never n- heard that sentiment while watching a game with you. <laughs> I'm sorry that like the, the, to go from what you usually are shouting the TV about Chase Headley to the, you saying that on on the podcast took me aback a little bit.
1: <laughs> I think he's fine. He's like the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like it's not what you want to have for dinner, but like, dang, if you're hungry, that'll keep you full for the night. Like well, now I want PB and J. All right, okay. we'll we'll get you mad enough about third base to distract you from any kind of food.
0: Okay, train wreck. Stats again. Sorry, but these are all the basics. Whoop whoop. whoop. Uh, con- this is combined. Everyone at third base who has played a game in the first half for, at third base for the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Two thirty-five batting average, ranked twenty-fourth in the ma- in major in the majors. These are all major league baseball, not just the American League. So like that's twenty-fourth out of thirty. Two eighty-seven on-base percentage, ranked twenty-sixth. Three thirty-eight slugging percentage, ranked 29th. The corners, by the way, are where you're traditionally supposed to get your power in your lineup. They're getting a 338 slugging. <laughs> 625 OPS, ranked 29th. 39 RBI, ranked 20th. Surprisingly higher than I thought based on the rest of those offensive numbers. Right. Fielding percentages. These are just the basic fielding percentage and error numbers. I didn't get too in depth. Uh, defensive metrics are confusing to me.
1: Basic numbers will tell you they're terrible, so we yeah. don't need to go all yeah. in.
0: 928 fielding percentage, ranked dead last in the majors,
1: mm-hmm.
0: ranked 30th. 17 errors, ranked 29th in the majors, almost dead last. <laughs> now, here's the numbers for Sandoval and how, if you remove them, where they would rank without him in there. Because defensively is where he sucked ass besides the fact that every time he swung the bat you could almost see the belt buckle break or it like did. it did in toronto last year uh 914 save percentage so you remove his save percentage and just look at the save percentage of everyone else they're ranked 28th so it's still bad without them but they're they're a little better
1: he, they're marginally less than bad yeah
0: Marrero has actually been very good there of late, but his first, like, month up here, like, he was supposed to be a defensive guy who couldn't hit, and he was playing terrible both places, so they sent him back down, They came back up, and now he still can't hit, but at least he's playing good defensively, Right. so whatever, uh, and then five errors, five of the teams, 17 errors of the position came from Sandoval
1: and he, Aren't you so happy they paid him $40 million? Oh, my God. Uh, so
0: you remove that, and then you look at uh, the 12 errors combined for everyone else, but in, like, twice as many games. Right. Uh, they're ranked 25th without him. So they go from 29th to 25th. So they go up four spots. So it's not that bad. Offensively, they've been horrendous across the board, which is maybe why they brought up Devers to be their offensive savior at that position, but apparently he sucks defensively, so... uh,
1: What's the point? Yeah,
0: can somebody be elite on one part of the field (laughs) at that position? Please, can someone be elite defensively but suck offensively, and can someone be uh, elite offensively and suck defensively so we can at least platoon the two of you and do defensive switches with a lead late in the game? At least give us versatility.
1: I also think it's bad if you're thinking that Devers is going to be the fix for your lack of run support. A yeah. rookie who can't play third base well at, yeah. at AAA. He had four errors in his nine AAA starts. That's abysmal. Yep. There yep. Are, there are <laughs> players in the college leagues who aren't that bad. Yeah.
0: So this is, and despite that, I still think they should fix the bullpen because the pitching is the best part of this team. But what good is having great starting pitching? If you're going to give it over to the bullpen, they're just going to let all the runs in. Right. There's no point. And if the team's not going to score enough to win, well, how do you beat good pitching in the playoffs? Better pitching. They have better pitching. You just need to have a way to lock it down later in the game and be okay with winning 3-2. to two. It's completely different from how the Red Sox have always done it, but they have speed, which they've never had either, so they can steal bases and manufacture runs. Right. The problem is Farrell doesn't know how the hell to manage that
1: with his own brain. Yeah, small ball's not a not a thing that runs no. in the Yankees or so the Red Sox th- They're a
0: weird like, mix of things that they, sh- that they should be, but not having the ability to execute or like, not fully having the pieces to go with that plan in the first place. It, it, it's interesting. It, it's very interesting. Let's move on to shortstop, the last infield position, and then we'll just kind of do outfield combined as an overall. So shortstop.
1: Um, I've been really happy with D.D. Gregorius. Apparently, he's been better. I mean, it's not super surprising, but he's been better defensively than Derek Jeter was the last five years. Derek Jeter played shortstop, so... I'm happy to see that you have someone captaining the infield and doing so well with Gregorius. He is hitting 304 this season. So, again, right where you want him to be. I think he's a part of the team that lets them have a little bit of personality. They're very young, and I think he's part of them that lets them be a little bit more expressive. Um, I, I like what he brings with the bat. I like what he brings defensively. He is the number one player in that infield for the Yankees team, and I'm happy that he's continuing to do well so far this season.
0: Yeah, Bogart's, uh, it's very interesting because uh, his biggest thing is that he doesn't have power, but it seems like every uh, game plan against him uh, is what it was based off the scouting report after his rookie year. He couldn't hit anything on the outside of the plate and chased every slider that was breaking away from him in his rookie year. It seems like pitchers continue to do that, even though he corrected that, so he just punches singles to right field like crazy. Right. So the power numbers suck but it's because pitchers are pitching to him like he's not a singles hitter when that's exactly what he is now. So no one's going to throw inside, uh, so he's going to take what they give him. So everyone calling for higher power numbers for him, well, he's just going with what the pitcher's giving him. Uh, it would just be nice when they occasionally slip up and they leak it over the plate if he could, like, pull on it. It's just he's sitting back all the time because it's all he's seeing. You know what I mean? Right. That. It, it, so his home and away numbers are, are – very interesting. Not not in that one sucks and one's really good it, they're, because they're both pretty good. It's just, it, it's interesting. Uh, home, 318 batting average versus 289 away. So, the batting average at home is better because he keeps punching singles to right field because that big right field in Fenway Park, they keep thinking I'd rather stay away from the wall and him pulling a homer over the wall so I'm going to pitch away and he just punch singles there all day long. So, his on-base percentage at Fenway is 367. Versus two, 3.55 all, uh, away, so even though his batting average is down away, he's still getting on base because he's drawing walks. 4.29 slugging at Fenway, 4.64 slugging away. So slugging's up away because they don't have the wall to worry about, so they can pitch him however the hell they want, and they, they can pitch to the ballpark. He's hitting more for more power elsewhere. Right. Because they don't have to adapt to the Fenway factor when they pitch to him. 8.15 on ba- uh. S- sorry, 796 OPS at home, 815 OPS away. 12 doubles at Fenway, that's the wall factor. Eight doubles on the road, but one home run at home with a right-handed bat and that green monster right there. It, it's just a testament to the fact that they keep throwing him pitches to hit for singles all day long. Right. And five home runs on the road. One triple at Fenway, which he hits at the triangle dead center, and then three triples away. So I'm fine with you like if you're hitting me doubles and you're hitting me triples I'll take that as power all day long especially when they're pitching you like to you to purposely say he's going to beat us somehow let's have him beat us with a single instead of lifting it over the monster and you spend half your games at Fenway his bats just not built for Fenway because pitchers are purposely going to pitch to what in a way is his strength but a strength that they're willing to concede if it doesn't mean that they're going to concede a run on the board they're willing to allow a guy on first it, 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 instead of allowing a run again on the board. You know what I mean? So it right. seems like they're pitching to his strength purposely because he's not gonna, he doesn't have enough power to drive into the bullpens. Uh, so defensively, he did it again last night. I've been ranting about this while watching games with you all, all year long. <laughs> he wears number two. For what reason, Gabby? Uh, he grew up idolizing Derek Jeter. Exactly. And what is Derek Jeter's iconic trademark as a defensive? Uh, the jump throw. The jump throw. When did Jeter do the jump throw and why?
1: Pressure situations when he knew he had to jump
0: off and go across and get it off quick. Because the one thing that people can knock him for in his game was he didn't have a lot of defensive range. So he was sprinting to the ball, barely got to it, and the last chance he had to get to the runner was to lean back and jump and just whip it across and the field chuck it and, use, and use that arm. Xander Bogaerts grew up watching that happen routinely. Not a good thing. Because he wants to idolize him. Last night, he had a play where he could have easily gotten there because he has better range than Jeter did. He had, and it wasn't even like it was in the third base hole. It was like a normal, routine shortstop play. He could have just taken a couple shovels over, picked it up, thrown it to first base on target, been completely fine. Instead, he slowed his pace down. You could see him like half running, running at half speed so that he can get the ball in the backhand and, jump and do the jump throw.
1: One of the reasons why he that,
0: wants to look cool.
1: It also worked out well, was because for a lot of his career, he had first baseman over six 6'5", like six four, six five. Yeah. So they just stuck their arm out, and they're halfway there. Yeah,
0: but now you're seeing, you're not seeing throwing errors from him. What you're seeing is because he's purposely slowing himself down to make a cool looking play instead of just simply making the damn play. His range is getting worse, and plays he used to be making, he's not making because he's not in a good routine and a good f- uh, habit of going at the ball the right way every damn time. Right. Because he wants to look cool and he wants to make that jump throw and look like Jeter. It's like, guy, just make the damn play. It bothers
1: the hell out of me. I'm sorry. So from the, out- the infield, <laughs> as you're still sitting there steaming, Ugh. um, let's, let's talk about the outfield. Probably the biggest shining light for the Yankees who I'll have you start off since I started off for the infield. Who are you looking at? Uh, outfield wise, you could talk the whole outfield, individual fields.
0: Yeah, o- overall, I'm just going to give you the, na- the stats combined between Jackie Bradley Jr., Andrew Bantendi, and Mookie Betts, and uh, the fourth outfielder, Chris Young, who they're now getting in there more as a DH now that Hanley's finally agreed to play first base against left handed pitching. Uh, combined, 271 batting average, 453 slugging, 805 OPS. 159 RBI with 44 home runs. This has been the com- and uh, they have not a 984 fielding percentage combined between the four of them and 13 outfield assists, which is right on par for the MLB average combined as a team for outfield assi- assists and putouts at bases. Uh, defensively, I, f- I feel they're above average. The the assists are right on average, but it's because they're uh, not as many runners are getting on base. Uh, for the pitchers, like, I'd be interested in what the assist percentage is, but they don't keep that statistic for some reason.
1: You know what I mean? I'm sure somebody keeps it somewhere.
0: It's not like a caught-stealing percentage. Like, right. Uh, they don't keep it for outfielders like they do for catchers. I, I wish that they did, but for some reason they don't. Because I feel like their assist percentage is high, because it seems like every time I see them recognizing that they have a chance to catch someone on the base, and they throw it in second to try and beat the runner, they consistently get the guy out all the time. Because they all have guns for an arm, and they're they're smart defensive players. Um, Chris Young, maybe not, but there's a reason that he's in there as a fourth outfielder. <laughs> he's in there only to hit left-handed pitching when guys are slumping against left-handed pitching, cause especially when two of your three outfielders are left-handed bats. Uh, Benintendi is a rookie, two seventy-nine, four forty-six loving, uh, four forty-six slugging, eight hundred three OPS, fifty-one RPI with twelve homers. Fine with that. Striking out, uh, he's getting a walk for pretty much one out of every two strikeouts, which I'm fine with. But uh, Betts' numbers are down from last year, but he was second in MVP voting last year. So your numbers can go down, and you can still be having a good year.
1: Right, you can be an above-average guy and not be having MVP caliber numbers. And then
0: Bradley Jr. is having a better year than last year, but the problem is, again, he's streaky as all hell. He started off the year horrendously. They pulled him out of the lineup for like 10 days with a fake uh, 10-day DL stint, and they just had him before and after and during games with Chili Davis just working on his hitting because he had a giant hole in his swing. That came out of nowhere, but then he came back, and he's been raking ever since. So I inconsistent, where he has really high, high peaks and really uh, low valleys, but that's what we've come to expect from him. Uh, so overall, it's, it's what I've expected. They've been the, in like the core of the offense and been playing really stellar defense, so zero issues.
1: Uh, so I get to talk about the real AL rookie of the year, but we'll save him for last. Oh the Yankees have spent a lot of their season having Jacoby Ellsbury, Brett Gardner. I'm happy. They called up Clint Frazier to kind of replace that. You can move Ellsbury or you can move Gardner back to center. Usually put Frazier back in left field, judge in right field, pair them out that way. That way Ellsbury can come in on occasions, depending on the hitting matchup. I like having Frazier in. He's been really stellar so far. He's a utility out, uh, outfielder. So, you throw him out anywhere, and he's pretty much good to go. So I'm really happy to see that. Less, the less we see Jacoby Osbury, the better. Uh, so Clint Frazier has been a ginger beacon of hope going into the second <laughs> half of the season. No flow, though. Hashtag uh, lion emoji, lion emoji, lion emoji, as Didi Gregorius would call him. He's starting to get it out there. He's trying to sneak it out under the hat. He's trying to see how long he can get it to go. So I'm proud of him for that. Fight the system. Um, but the, the one I need to talk about, and we would be remiss if we didn't talk about at least the team mvp if you want to argue ben going to win the rookie of the year I'm not out. at this point
0: I I mean I don't know how <laughs> you could this guy might win the mvp let alone the rookie of the year like, like I'm 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 not fighting that battle anymore I've I've learned which hill to die on
1: yeah, it's not it's not the anti aaron judge hill um uh, just just to match james in terms of his overwhelming stats i'm just going to give you everything aaron judge has uh in 339 at bats 79 runs 105 hits 73 rbi with 32 home runs the man's gonna win the triple crown he's uh not,
0: he's not gonna win the triple crown as a rookie
1: he has a three three ten 3- batting average Cabrera
0: was the first guy to do it in like fifth like almost two decades probably longer and he and it took him until he was like in his like seventh year to do it
1: no no <laughs>
0: He's not going to win the triple crown as a rookie.
1: That's the hell you're going to die on. We're going to draw the line there. No. Uh, just to add to it, 310 batting average, uh, 183. Like is not going to win the triple crown. There's like five guys with a better batting
0: average than that. Sorry.
1: Fair enough. I'm trying to be optimistic. Okay. My God. Uh, 434 on base percentage and a 183 OPS. So Aaron Judge obviously being the one everybody's talking about in baseball, um... But I will say, as much as I love having Aaron Judge there for all that he brings, I think bringing up Clint Fraser and having him adjust and enter into the system to get Jacoby Ellsbury out and give Brett Gardner some time off or rotate around is what's going to help them down the stretch.
0: Okay. Uh, quickly, uh, we so those are all kind of our, our thoughts on position by position for the first half uh, and where they're going as for now. I, we're not even really going to get into it. Uh, we're, I'm just going to straight up read what they've done so far uh, in terms of Results from games since the end of the All Star break. So, uh, since the end of the All Star break, Sox and the Yankees came out of the All Star break and played four game series right away. One of them was a makeup for a rain-out in a series earlier in the year. Uh, they split that series. Just a feel of in Fenway felt like a like a meaningful Sox Yankees series for the first time in a long time, and that was very refreshing.
1: People in New York didn't care, and it was. <laughs> it,
0: I mean, between the fifteen and game, and then the doubleheader, and. Uh, uh, the blown save in uh by Chapman in the first game, the first night, like the ups and downs. That that was one of the the most riveting se- Sox Yankee series I've seen in a while.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, and the
0: fact that it, it's all young contributors, it makes me very hopeful for the rivalry going forward. We'll talk about that another time, because <laughs> this is our catch up episode. Um, uh, since uh then though, but since they split that the Sox and the Yankees split that four game series, the Red Sox then played four games uh, against the Blue Jays at home. They split those as well and then they uh, went to Anaheim to start, I believe it's a two-series road trip uh, and they dropped two of three over the weekend. They start a, West Crow, uh, a trip to Seattle tonight for three games. Raphael Devers, by the sound of it, is not going to play, but this is literally the exact series and the exact part of the year and the exact same situation that Andrew Bantendi came up in last year, but Rafael Devers is now up again this year. What happened with Andrew Bentendi was they brought him up, said, you're not playing the first night, and then they pinch hit him later in the game. He got a fir- uh, hit on his first pitch, he saw. His parents weren't there until the next night to see his debut <laughs> when he was in the starting lineup, but they, so they missed his first hit. But, uh,
1: <laughs> but John Farrell can take days off to go see his son's first game. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Get another point for another time. Yeah, Keep another going. point for another time. Uh, Power the, An-
0: the Yankees, since splitting that uh, series with the Sox, uh, ha- went to Minnesota and dropped two out of three. And they just finished up a four-game series in Seattle, and they split that, uh, winning a second game last night. And they have a travel day off today, but they will be home for two games versus the Reds, followed by four games at home with the Rays at Yankee Stadium uh, this week. So, uh, four-game series, in-division, a lot of in-division in this second half. Yep. uh, But it seems like some teams are still kind of finishing up their interplay. Uh, their interleague uh, series, so two-game yeah, two series with the Reds. God, that's a weird what, one. What an awful watch that's going to be. Sorry. <laughs> I'm
1: sure they're going to put it on uh, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball and make sure it's a nice five-hour set for everybody to enjoy. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so, uh, with that,
0: uh, quickly, just roster moves. Uh, trade deadline is one week away. Uh, the Yankees added bullpen help. We talked about it. Uh, Robertson and kindly... However, the hell you pronounce that name, Canley. Yeah, Canley. And, uh, Relax. and they got Frazier from the White Sox all in one deal
1: for who? Um, a couple top prospects. I don't know why I can't remember. Uh, whatever. Offhand, and, but uh, another time we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get when into he th- ends up panning out for the White Sox after Todd Frazier falls off a cliff. We'll we'll talk about that then.
0: Okay, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and then they uh, traded Ref Snyder today for like a first baseman, but right.
1: Uh, no, it was not Rev Snyder. It uh, yes, it was. Was it? We're pulling up the uh, the yeah. MLB app now. Yeah, yeah
0: the, and the Red Sox are calling up Rafael Devers and have not made any trades, and that's who they're going to have as their savior at third base. And it doesn't. Se- and it seems like every day or every like every day there's like one or two deals you hear about a bullpen arm moving, and every single one of the um with the Red Sox like why the hell was he not sent here? Why? Why?
1: So right now the Yankees are apparently all in on either Sonny Gray or U Darvish. That's where we're at today. Okay. Overall, Red Sox in first place right now. Yankees not far
0: behind, but they're firmly in the in a wild card spot right now. Are you happy with the Yankees so far to this point?
1: Yes, I think they could be better, as I've said, but this was they're better than I thought they were going to be going into this year. I knew that they're exceeding your expectations. Yes, but they seeing what this team is, they could still be better. The thing with them is that the highs are really high. The lows are really low. When the bats go cold, no one's going to hit a broadside of a barn. But then you have nights where Aaron Judge will hit two. Gary Sanchez will hit one. Matt Holiday, we didn't talk about DHs. Uh, but when he decides to contribute, it's usually with the home run. So it's a lot of mixing and matching uh, in regards to the way that they ended up panning out. And to answer your question, it was Rob Refsnyder was sent to Toronto for Ryan McBroom. Who? He plays for Toronto. Apparently, I just uh, never just, heard like, that name before. Uh, and the White Sox trade was for Tyler Clippert, Ian Larkin, Blake Rutherford, and Tito Polo. Blake Rutherford was the big prospect in that uh, in okay. that list. Uh, well, I am happy with the
0: Red Sox. They're at where I thought they would be. How they got there is not how I expected it. Yep. <laughs> uh, I uh, there. There's nothing I can really say about the pitching other than get a bullpen arm. And uh, then the offense, it's not the offense we're used to. It's not a power offense, but there are a lot of fast guys who hit for average. Uh, and the problem is, is then because they are fast guys who hit for average, Farrell's whole thing is we're going to be aggressive on the base pass, but they get thrown out on the base path all the damn time. So how about you be smart while also being aggressive, and maybe some rallies will start to form, and you can score multiple runs in an inning just by single, double, single, double, single, double, 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 like, Get rallies like that. A bunt. and th- <laughs> <laughs> They've had stretches like that in the last few games. The problem is it's not consistent enough because they get thrown out at stupid times, which then puts them in a hole with with an out that they uh, couldn't afford to give up when they're all, like, in inning. So I would like to see them be smarter on the base pass, but, and maybe these rallies will continue to carry over. And that's where their offense is going to come from, and I'm fine with that. So uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, thank you. Uh, once again, uh, we're doing all of our catch-up uh, p- uh, on our sports, uh, on the various sports. Uh, baseball today, we're scrapping memories uh, for these three episodes. Baseball today, we're uploading a basketball one tomorrow and then a hockey one uh, the following day to get caught up on those two off-seasons. Thank you for listening, everybody. I'm Thank James you. Anderson.
1: And I'm Gabby Riggy. Thanks, guys. Bye.